following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. So let's get straight to it. Stanford, and by the way, last thing, we're going to go in reverse chronological order. So if you've started to listen and it's after the 23rd, well, you can just stop when we get to the day that's already passed, right? Whatever that day is. So even if you're listening, let's say on the morning of the 28th, or just listen to these first handful of games, we're doing that for your convenience. First game, Stanford, TCU, this right now, and we're taping on Tuesday in Las Vegas, and TCU is favored by two and a half with a little bit of extra juice, and can you like Stanford in this game? Yeah, I like Stanford a lot because Bryce Love, now that ankle, or both ankles, uh, really have had time to heal. And I think Bryce Love at 100% is good enough to have won the Heisman Trophy. He didn't miss a game during the regular season, but this guy can pick him up, put him down. And I noticed that he was pretty solid when McCaffrey was still there, but he didn't get the ball near as much that he needed it. Again, Costello has changed things since he took over at quarterback, so I like that. Here's a team plus 15 in turnovers, too. Highest out of anybody playing in bowls, the most positive side as far as uh, turnovers. Great set of tight ends with Smith, Schultz, and Parkinson. I mean, these guys have 12 TDs between them, so lots of weapons for Costello. For TCU, I like the team, but again, Kenny Hill is still that X factor that makes mistakes in big games, and I think he'll be under pressure. I think the Stanford linebackers will be blitzing, and Stanford's very physical, and so I think it's a good team to combat TCU. I think the Cardinals are the right side. I think they win this ball game by seven or more. All right, like from Ken on Stanford. Brad, you thought a lot of Bryce Love entering the season. You bet him. How, what was your ticket in the Heisman? Ticket on the Heisman was 100 to 1. And how much did you get paid for it? Zero. Man, it's a tough business sometimes. Yeah. I get the number, he got second, right? Do they tell you who's second? They don't, right? Yeah, so no, you, he came in second. Oh, he did come in yeah. second. Ugh. Ugh. All right, so leader like on this game. Yeah, I lean with Stanford here. And, and number one, what I've seen from Gary Patterson, the head coach at TCU, is He's a high-intensity coach, and we've talked about this in the past with Bill Snyder. A lot of times these high-intensity coaches aren't necessarily great bowl coaches because you kind of wear your team out in the three, four weeks of practice. How about him? Two and six against the spread his last eight bowl games. On the flip side, underdog role for Stanford. They've thrived in it for six or seven years straight. 11-3-1 all-time as far as under David Shaw. Ten outright upsets out of those 11 covers. Ten straight of those outright upsets. So they're in their preferred underdog well, the only reason it's not a like for me is I don't know that Bryce Love is going to be 100%. If he's 100%, this goes from lean to like for me. And we'll be touching on the concepts that we've shared that are big picture macro concepts. But one of them is when it comes to coaches who, as you mentioned, uh, are high intensity there's the whole wear out factor. And also there's an additional factor. We've seen this, I think, with Bill Snyder that a coach will ha- there's so much intensity that the bright lights of the bowl game added to that gets them a little tight. So they're a little, they're afraid to make a mistake and it's hard to win a football game that way. And and you look at it, usually those coaches that overwork the teams are also the ones they might be a little tight. 
I'm not sure what percentage of those factors add up to the underperformance, but you often see that. And even a bigger picture is the bowl history of the coach matters. The bowl games are unlike anything else. So if you find a situation, I'm pounding the desk. I'm not serious. If you find a situation where a, a bowl coach has a good ATS history, I don't care about straight up against the spread is by definition expectation. And if they exceed it, I don't care. If they win the game or not. That means they did better than the market thought they would. And if they are supposed to win by 20 and they win by 18, they fallen short. And those ATS records, I think mean a lot. Cause this is such a unique situation. I mean, imagine like tennis where there's like this one surface that they only play on once a year. It's like this clay, but it's so it's like you sink an inch. Like say you're playing tennis on sand or something. Well, if some guy was seven and oh in that sand surface against an oh and seven guy, would you say it's low? You know, it's uh, the, statistically it's not significant. Well, perhaps not. But when you only got those handful of data points for something so different like bowl games, I think it, it's very meaningful. You know, RJ, when you talked about that, you don't even have to say a different type of clay. Look what Rafael Nadal has done throughout his life. I mean, nobody wins Roland Garros except Nadal. He lost one time in the last, what, 11 years? No, you're absolutely right. If you handicap tennis, <laughs> I still remember before I handicapped tennis as I was at the Mirage. I remember this, this was 98. And I look up and I saw Sampras was something like the third favorite at the French. I'm like, he's the best player. What's going on? I didn't understand. You know, I didn't handicap tennis. The clay matters. The reason I kind of was talking about uh, a sand surface in this hypothetical is the bowl games are a one time a year thing on clay. There might be 10 or 12 tournaments a year. People, you know, various clay court players will play on clay, but you're right. It's the same. There's something very specific that doesn't happen often. And I think the stats really matter when it comes to the coaches ATS record. All right, Faz, you actually lean. Yeah, lean to Stanford. And I'm going to bet this as soon as it's confirmed that Bryce Love is going to play. He's probable. All reports looks like he's going to play. Um, would you guys say 95%, 97%? Uh, 90. Just 90. So I need confirmation. He is so important. Let me th- give the stats. It's amazing. We talk all the time in the NFL. Hey, running backs don't matter. In college, running backs can matter. Bryce Love has been banged up all year long. He hasn't been 100%. He's averaging 8.3 yards per carry. The number two guy for Stanford's averaging four and a half. The number three guy, 3.7. So literally, Love gets eight over eight yards per carry, even at not 100%. The other guys get four yards per carry. Imagine if he plays and he's 100% how important he is to the team. And I actually find those stats interesting because it's apples to apples, right? Is We could say, oh, because of them doing this and this on offense, the running backs get, you know, a bunch of yards per carry, but they don't carry much or whatever. But you're looking at the same offense. And obviously, if, if the second best guy's getting half as many yards, that's uh, a pretty strong sign of how good Bryce Love is. But not quite good enough, Brad. No, not quite. Next game. <laughs> this is, oh, guys, see, going in reverse order means we don't even make you wait for the best bets. This is Ken Thompson's best bet of these batch of 15 games, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State favored by four. Ken, when are we going to play Blossom? We'll play Blossom before the double best bet. So, Ken, who's your best bet? Oklahoma State's going to be my best bet. And the line's actually gone for me, and I don't get it. I mean, Virginia Tech's a physical team. It's no doubt Justin Fuente's a good coach, a good replacement there for Beamer Ball. Josh Jackson, outstanding quarterback. But they're missing McMillan in the, McMillan in the backfield. 
that's a a loss, but it's not a major loss like Cam Phillips is. Cam Phillips is their all-everything receiver. They have Savoy, who's decent, and he's even questionable himself. But Cam Phillips is that guy. And when you take away a Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons, you know about it. It's the same thing with Virginia Tech. Cam Phillips is their go-to guy, uh, you know, 71 receptions on the year, and by far uh, their best receiver. So with him being out, I really think Oklahoma State – when you have a prolific offense like that and the most wide-open offense, I think, in college football with Mason Rudolph running the show, you have two outstanding running backs in Hill and King and then three of the best receivers with Washington and uh, McCleskey and Aitman. Those guys are outstanding, and I think Oklahoma State is going to outscore Virginia Tech. VT, you know, there'll be uh, some resistance early, but I think Okie State just coming at them too much, spread them out, not enough speed there for Virginia Tech to stay with all the receivers. Okie State wears them down, wins by double digits. Best bet, Oklahoma State, Ken Thompson. So, Brad, you've got to lean on Okie State. I want two main things from you. One, what part of his handicap do you agree with the most? And number two, what's kept you from liking Okie State? Uh, well, here's what I agree. I do agree that the two guys being out, particularly Cam Phillips, is significant. And why is it significant? Because you need playmakers to go toe-for-toe with one of the best offenses in Oklahoma State across from the field. So if you're missing a couple guys and prevents you from scoring a time or two, that's going to be significant. The reason why it's not a like for me is on the other side of the football. I think Virginia Tech's defensive backfield, Bud Foster, you give them a month of prep for a good offense. I think they're able to slow down Oklahoma State. This will be one of the best defenses Oklahoma State has seen all year. But I just think on the whole, Virginia Tech's overrated. Played two top 25 teams in my power ratings. Lost both of them by double digits. I, I just think they're an overrated team feasting upon a weak schedule. Lean with Oklahoma State. Okay, Fez, you actually passed this baby, and we give you one pass at all the 15 games. Obviously, both these guys like Okie State. What is it that's keeping you off it based on what they've said? And I, I want to bet Okie State. I agree. My numbers, our power rating numbers, make it minus seven. It's the motivation. We got Okie State. They're playing for a Big 12 title, aspirations of a national title. I just don't know if they're excited to be in this bowl game. So, and that's back to the macro factors, which is the number one handicapping factor in bowl games is passion, excitement, motivation, however you want to describe it. Does the team want to be there? And you question that. Ken, does that concern you at all? No, the reason but why is because Oklahoma State didn't play in the Big 12 championship game. Had they lost there, then it's even more frustrating because you're right there. You're one step away. But it was already in. Reality already set in when TCU and Oklahoma were battling for the Big 12 championship. Therefore, Oklahoma State had time to regroup, realize that Mason Rudolph, who won the best quarterback in the country award, didn't win the Heisman, but actually beat out Mayfield as far as the award for the best quarterback, they have something to prove, and they get a good stiff matchup with Virginia Tech, and I think they're going to be fired up to play in this bowl game. And it's Disney World. How can you not get excited? How many people from Oklahoma went to Disney? You know what's funny? I heard about this on Joe Rogan. I love Joe Rogan's podcast. And I looked it up, and I haven't read it yet. I have it bookmarked. You know there's gangs at Disneyland? Really? Yeah, so what happens is <laughs> it, it's like, you know, again, I'm not going to say it's like, you know, the gangs in big cities. But they literally have like groups of 12 or 16 and they all they got like colors and they have patches and like one is like the, you know, the the war frats or, you know, who knows what the names are. And they literally just go around Disneyland together and they're not they're not doing illegal stuff because then, you know, Disneyland's 
probably better policed than, than most places uh, in the country. But they literally, like, that's their thing. It might be on Saturday. They all show up at Disneyland. And these are, like, 25, 30, 35-year-old people. It's not kids. It's not, like, little, you know. But think about it. It's kind of interesting. If you live near there, like, you guys might go golfing or, you know, or do whatever for, you know, Ken loves to work out, right? You How might hard have- is it to get out of one of those gangs? You know, that's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> but but literally, I looked up, there's Disneyland gangs, and they have pictures of them, and they're like, I mean, it looks serious. <laughs> but in a way, it seems crazy. But in another way, like, if you and three buddies always went golfing every Saturday that you could. Can you play the dream thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm lifting from Joe Rogan here. But think about it. Is how If you had buddies that you golfed with, let's say, 30 weeks a year, every Saturday, 30 times a year, not every, but everyone be like, isn't that great? You know, Fez is getting, not the Fez golfs, but Fez is getting his leisure time and he's keeping his connections, even though he has a son. But is that any more wild than saying, hey, you're going to meet at Disneyland every Saturday and you're going to walk around and you're going to feel a sense of community? You know how bowling, like bowling might be the better analogy, right? They have the, they have uniforms, they have their names. Like bowling is like a gang, right? This is yeah. interesting. Now you're hitting Fezzik. There you go. <laughs> You bowl fast? That Northwestern Every, bowling team. Come everyone on. from the Midwest bowls, RJ. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I did like once when I was nine, and that was it. Really? I, I was not. I, it, I don't know. All right. Here's my question about this line move. I can't tell if Brad's thinking it's so awesome to be part of this podcast or RJ's crazy or probably 50 50. Yeah, I was going to say a little bit of both. <laughs> Fifty-one fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that Van Halen? That is a great album. <laughs> Sammy Hagar. There you go. I don't think Sammy Hagar and Great necessarily go together. No, that, that album, yeah, no, that fifty-one fifty is a great album. David Lee Roth and Van Halen they had a lot more better albums. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. that one is the one. No, that that's for what knows. speeding or what's fifty-one? No, that's I can't drive fifty-five is the one. But what's speeding. the fifty-one fifty stand for? It's like a, it's like the police code, isn't it? For something. You know, I'll I'll look that as one of you guys is talking at some point, I'll look that up. Yeah, please look it up. It's probably in there in your files with the Disneyland gangs. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, I mean, we have six figures listening to this podcast. I wonder how many are going to look that up. I mean, you got to figure. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I got to figure maybe 10,000 people at minimum will look this up. Yes, absolutely. This is how things spread virally, right? Whenever I get hit with a bad beat. I put on, I can't drive 55 if I'm below 55% on the year and I crank it up. You know what's funny about Fez? Yeah. Whenever he tries to not be just like Rain Man, yeah. it's almost like he doesn't speak the native language. Like, he'll try to, like, tell, like, something that seems, like, you know, semi, like, pop culture. But, like, he's going totally off. Like, he's talking about bad beats. Yeah. And then, it, but he's the, he's talking about, like, it's just, like, you know how, like, foreigners that aren't used to the culture yeah. will not, like, quite get it? <laughs> <laughs> do you feel that or do you think you're saying like when you were ready to say you contemplated saying that, I right? can't drive <laughs> 55 wow <laughs> now he's like doing a learning disabled imitation or something but listen let me ask you a serious question when you were thinking about saying that there was a point that popped in your mind right and then you don't say everything that pops in your mind though right so you actually deliberated did you think when you said it, it was going to be like right on? 
Or did you think, I don't care if it's on, I want to be involved? Or did you think, hey, I'm, I'm kind of acting like Andy Kaufman here a little bit? Like what? And it's, so I'm going to say something I know that RJ is going to talk about, but that makes me endearing. Like what was the thought process? Whenever I hear this song, <laughs> I think about as a goal as a handicapper, it's to hit 55%. So okay. it always reminds me. So of it that. made you so happy that you had something that felt like pop culture and you knew Sammy Hagar sang this song. You just had to say I've it. Seen the video? Yeah. I'm a part of the gang. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Ken was acting a little weird before the show. I think you guys all had like six drinks or something before I showed up <laughs> and I didn't know it. All right. But back to that was great, by the way. But back to serious stuff, because this is actually we might get an only in dreams for this one, because I think it's important. Ken said something at the very beginning of his handicap. He said, I don't know why the line's moving, you know, in your favor. And I, I never you know, it's funny. You think I should know this? How do you say if a line, if you'd like the favorite lane three and the game goes to four, the line moved against you, but in favor of the team, right? So the team got more expensive, which is kind of good for the team. That's like a, a thumbs up to the team, but your bet got more expensive, which, so you're on the expense side. They're on like the revenue side. Like, so how do you say, so if you had it at three and it goes to four, the line move confirmed my opinion. No, I, yeah, I understand that. But let, let's just say you weren't going to play. Let's say you haven't played it yet. Did the line move against you? Yeah. It, like, cause you would have laid it at three, but you're not going to lay it at four. Let's say, but it moved against you, even though it confirmed you. And even though it was in favor of the team you like. Yeah. And so I say, I'm late, <laughs> I'm late to the party on this one. Is what I usually say. I, haven't yet. <laughs> I wasn't asking but in, like in for your little catch. In Fez's defense, he won't give out a play unless he's already played it at the right number. No, no. I well, true enough, and that's oh. one of the pro things that he does. And I think the pros in general try to do that really well. But Brad, you ever think like how do you say what would you, if you're talking to your buddy? Say, hey, let's say you said I'm thinking of betting this team at three, and next day it's like, hey, did you bet? So and yeah, so. I would say the line moved against, against me. me. Yeah, I would say. That. Yeah, it, but it, and I think that's the right way yeah. to say. It, but it feels like whenever I say that, it feels counterintuitive because it didn't really move against the team. It moved in favor of the team yep. that you liked. Okay, so here's the thing: the line moved. Okie State, they were getting six and a half, or I'm sorry, they were laying six and a half. Now they're laying four. So open to now. So this is a better bet now at minus four yep. than it was at six and a half. Now, everyone doesn't think like that. I was on, I do Atlanta, uh, the fan down there. They're a big CBS station. Great guys. Great city for gambling down there. I never really knew Atlanta, you know, from a radio perspective, but the feedback we get on Twitter is just so strong is a guy told me, he goes, I don't like this team so-and-so and they were minus four. He goes, if they were six, I'd love it. And it's like, what? And, but it actually makes sense because it goes, this line of four doesn't seem right. It seems so cheap. I must be missing something. Okay. Well, here's, right? here's, and thus, I don't want to bat it. But if it was six, I'd bat it because the line would seem fairly right, but I still think it should be a little higher. Well, here's the thing, too, because you have uh, 15 games and we're picking a best bet. And there were two other games that I looked at initially as having bets that I like better until I saw. Cam Phillips out, confirmed out. Now, McMillan, like I said, the running back's one thing, but Cam Phillips is such a major part that that took me away from two other games that initially. No, no, no. I I'm not questioning. No, no, no. I, I'm not I mean, questioning I'm your saying. handicap at all. Right. And, I, and I think it's insightful about the injuries and all that stuff. But the point I'm making, Fez, this is what I tell people, and I'd like to hear how you approach it. 
and and I think I've told Colin this on our Saturday podcast with his Blazing Five, is I said, if you can understand why the line is wrong, then you embrace it being wrong. And for me, most of the time, it's going to be some variation of public bias as in, hey, this team just won. Like, I understood. I loved, and I mean, it's easy to take a victory lap after the fact, but I loved, loved, probably my game with, I don't, you know, sell picks and games of the year and all that. Though I love the, con. you know, it's funny, games of the year have a concept of, you know, kind of like, you know, the hardcore sellers love those games. And that's, you know, people, you know, Jim Feist or those old school guys. But if you think about it, a game of the year makes a ton of sense conceptually. Like, this is the game I'm going to bet the most on this year. It's my game I like best. So to call it anything but a game of the year seems absurd. And it's funny, well, you shouldn't have games of the year. So it's like, well, wait, I should actually then withhold information from my followers. Like, (laughs) someone paid for Brad's season of college football, but Brad likes this game more than any other, but he shouldn't tell them. I mean, it's absurd, right? So, but again, that's something pregame has to work very hard on, which is dealing with the history of this industry, which has got a lot of spottiness to it and what we're trying to do. And again, obviously we're not perfect, but we try really hard to be perfect. But, but I guess Fez, I I look at that Kansas city game and I, it was probably my, I know it was my physically biggest bet of the NFL season. And I gave it to everyone. And, you know, we were even on the dream preview as we kept talking about that game, I'm like, man, I like this game more than any other, even though I had another game as my best bet because my mind changed during that conversation. And, and then on Fox, we, we, I, you know, really was adamant. Yep. I'm making a big bet on this game. It made sense to me though. KC had such a bad streak for so long. People were looking at the uh, offensive improving and thinking, ah, oh, it's kind of random, but I thought it was about the OC calling plays and I also thought the Chargers, if as you helped me see this, the Chargers not only have been playing well, but they've got met these teams at really opportune times for the Chargers. And thus, it was a little easier than even it seemed, like the, the Cowboys having three key guys out, et cetera. Even though I thought the line was crazy, I understood why it was off. Go. You nailed it. You can't be paralyzed by the money. In that Kansas City game, Money came in on San Diego. It opened pick. Moved San up. Diego? <laughs> yes. It moved up to San Diego. I call them San Diego. They'll always be the Chargers to me. Uh, they've been San Diego in one-fourth of the time. The Chargers went up to minus two, and it'd be easy to say, and this is what a lot of people say, oh, sharp money on the Chargers. No, it's money on the Chargers. Why is there money? And then you get back to what you were saying, RJ. You, If you know more than what the market the underlying market and the public knows it's moving these numbers, you can make an informed decision and say, hey, this is just wrong. They don't understand the Chargers nearly as well as I. Another example about being paralyzed by line moves, look at the Steelers hosting the Bengals. Opens five and a half. That line comes all the way down to three and a half. If you understood what was going on, you're like, the Steelers are way better. This is like eight weeks ago. Eight weeks ago. Way better than the Bengals. And even last week, I made a mistake here. I got afraid. I got paralyzed by the money. I like Buffalo against Miami. RJ asked me to make the number. And I said, I think it's closer to six. It comes down from four to three. I'm like, ah, I clearly missed the boat on this one. No, I just didn't trust myself enough. If you're all in doing the work, trust your work. But here's the thing. No one. And and I think everything you said, I agree with, but I want to put a key last point on it. And Ken, you actually can help me with this because you've received in my presence. We've talked about it a number of times you'll get texts or something and, and it's like, this guy's out or, you know, things that just aren't out there. Cause you know, SIDs, you know, 
guys up and down the organization, announcers, all throughout college sports, right? Mm -hmm. And you've done a great job of cultivating that, having that on your those people on your radio show and all that. I could be the best handicapper and like literally the best college basketball handicapper in the world, the most knowledgeable guy in the world. But I don't know what Ken knows when Ken gets that text, let's say. Now, maybe sometimes I'd be getting a text at the same time, but not always. If Ken was moving numbers, right? If Ken was part of a syndicate and all of a sudden that line moves against what I thought the handicap was, or let's say I thought the line was, I'm a lean on the team and then it moves against me. And no, it moves for me in this case. And now all of a sudden I'm going to bet the game. I'm going to stop and think, wait a minute, what don't I know? So to me, Fez, it's not just do you trust yourself. I don't think you can ever trust yourself so much to think you always know everything. I think can you explain the create quote unquote crazy line? And if so, you don't have to feel like there's something you don't know because you're explaining it. If a line just doesn't make sense, like let's say they put a total out on a game that should be 44 at 29. Like just boom. And and it's not some mistake. The whole market has it, right? You're going to wait a while before you bet that 29 aren't over. I'm going to look into what the heck is going on exactly. and ask people, call exactly. around. And, and every now and then we had the, that college basketball game, RD, where they just copy the wrong no, number. I, and that's why I said that because I didn't want to get distracted by that. Sometimes a line will come out with one place. So just get the thing wrong. And then the and, and then, as you said, there's so little action in college basketball total, specifically in this case. Everyone copied it, but then it quickly got bad up to where it should be, right? And they moved it pretty fast. So that shows the ignorance sometimes of the of the bookmakers, which is one of the reasons I always say bookmakers do a lot of things well. They're not necessarily good handicappers. But setting aside something like that, if it's an NFL line, it's out of 29, you're going to call everyone you know before you bet it. Absolutely. And the beauty of what Ken does is he can look like a total square ball here. He knows the point guard is out for Nevada Reno and no one else knows it. And they're like, oh, Ken Thompson, that's a square bet he's making here against Reno. They're awesome. But he knows more than the market knows. And no matter how much you know as a batter, there's times the market knows things you don't. So I think the real actionable takeaway here is and, and I really want to slow down and say this one more time because I think it's so valuable because people get so mixed up on this. They'll see a number and say, oh, that seems too good. I'm going to go the other way. I've actually heard people do that. And it's like if you can understand the bias and usually it's going to be because the public's in this. Like if it's some Portland State and college basketball, and unless I'm very confident I know more than the market, then I'm just going to bat and feel fine. And in general, there's 20 games a day or not 20 games a day, 20 games a week. I think the line's way off on because I just know more than the market. That's not the case for me in college basketball. There's some people that's the case for. But if you're not that person, you got to look and say, why is this line off? And if you can if you can apply it to the public biases, a team just had a blowout win or someone's injured and they think it, this happens all the time. Someone's injured. They think it's a big deal. But really, the backup's nearly as good. So they've got the line adjusted three points, but it shouldn't be. Well, that's an example. You know why the line's wrong. So you bet it without a problem. But if you don't know why the line's wrong, you should spend some try to, time to figure it out because that does scare me. You got as a batter myself. Do you guys all generally agree? Absolutely. With that? I agree. All right. Good stuff. Ken's best bet on Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State.
All right, next game. Oh, oh, crossfire time. Crossfire time. We've got Virginia. We got Navy. And Navy is favored by one. And Ken Thompson likes Virginia. Steve Fazek likes Navy. Ken, go. Well, I understand it's a military ball, but I still think Navy's still wondering how they lost to Army for the second straight year after beating them 14 straight years. So I think there's still going to be some doubt there. Now, look, it's a service academy. We know they're going to be focused the best they can. Kenny Niamaloo, I know him personally, does a great job over there for the Naval Academy. But I like what Bronco Mendenhall is building over there in Charlottesville. And I like Bankert, the quarterback, Ellis, a good solid running back. They have three good receivers and a team that really plays like they have continuity. I mean, just a team that has that team concept down. And that was Bronco Mendenhall's deal up there in Provo, Band of Brothers. He's building that same concept there. Virginia, it's a big game for Virginia. They don't. They haven't made a lot of bowl games in years past. This is one they're looking forward to. And I think Navy, again, is still demoralized because their season ended with a loss to Army for the second straight year. All right, so Ken on Virginia. Fez, you like Navy. Yeah, I think Virginia's a little overrated. 3-0 and in games decided by six or fewer points. We talk about you win all these close games, you get a better record, you become a little bit overvalued. I'm not worried at all about Navy being flat. Service Academy, Bulls, discipline. They don't get distracted at all. They're 6-3 and three against the spread. Their last nine bowl games. Basic strategy. I look to play on the academies in bowl games. Further, the game, as Ken mentioned, it's um, the... the the Armed Forces Bowl, Marine Corp Memorial Stadium, big home field advantage in Annapolis for Navy as well. I like Navy. All right, so Ken, what is your what is the one thing about his handicap you most disagree with? No, I don't. I don't disagree uh, much as far as Service Academy. You know, looking forward to the ball. I just don't think they have the team that they've had with the skill position players. I mean, Malcolm Perry and Aby are both good, solid quarterbacks, but they just don't have the same defense that's able to clamp down in big plays. They weren't able to shut down Army. And if you can't shut down a team that's one-dimensional, that all they do is run, they don't even throw the ball. If you can't shut down that team, how are you going to shut down a team that mixes it up nicely? And that that's where I'm at. I think Virginia's a, a two-dimensional team. They can run it decently, but they can throw it well. And Banker went into Miami of Florida, and Virginia had them down by two touchdowns twice. And this is when Miami was undefeated and on the rise right there. So this is a Virginia, Tech, a Virginia team that can get up and uh, and I think take care of business. I think they have just too much offense for Navy. So, Fez, what part uh, – because here's the thing. You guys are seeing all the same data, and you're on opposite sides. So what's interesting is make your case, but then it's interesting to say here is – you know, for example, uh, you know, we disagreed on uh, Jimmy – or I, what game – what was the – well, you're going to love this because it, it won so much. But, I, oh, Seattle. Okay. We disagreed on the Seattle game – on Sunday and we did a crossfire. You were playing right. I was playing wrong on the game, but I understood why we disagreed, right? Is I felt like Seattle's energy was there more than it turned out to be. And I felt like the D was playing better than it seemed like, even though they had three guys out. And I also felt like the O line was playing better than, than people thought with Brown. You looked at all that and said, maybe, 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 but, and you had other reasons for liking it, but you understood why I liked it. You just disagreed with it. Ken's not crazy. You're not crazy. What is it, though, he's saying that you plainly disagree with? I think what's resonating when I'm listening to Ken is he's saying that Navy's way down because they lost to Army and they always beat Army. But I think that the way they lost to Army, they outplayed Army. I watched the whole game. It was a perfect storm of bad stuff that happened for Navy. It was a blizzard. Army was dressed in white. 
So they are completely camouflaged, which is an advantage. Secondly, all Army does is run. They throw the ball twice a game. There's only three passes the entire game. The weather was so bad. Navy doesn't throw very often, but Navy does throw the ball. Navy could not throw the ball in the game. It wasn't that Navy couldn't stop Army. They stopped Army for the most part. It's because Navy could not utilize their passing game at all in that blizzard. All right. So we got two things here. One, we're going to get Brad's lean on the game, and then we've got the sharp money report. So... For every game that there's been any significant sharp money straight from CG technology, biggest bookmaker in Nevada will tell you in this case, we're letting the sharps grade it. But first, Brad, who do you lean towards? Yeah, I lean with Ken and Virginia here, plus the point of and basically a pick em game. And here's the thinking here. So here's what I like to do, because I don't I want to go back into these two are setting the goalposts in two different spots. What do you agree with the most about Ken? Well, let me here's what they're kind of missing. Bronco Mendenhall has a lot of experience defending the option. Last 10 games dating back to his BYU days, he's 9-1 straight up, 9-1 against the spread. And they defended an option team this year against Georgia Tech, a game that they... So hold on, 9-1 against the spread against option teams. Yes. How in the heck do you have that stat? How do I have that stat? I went back and looked through all the the option teams that he played back as a BYU coach and then at Virginia. And you did that for for this handicap? Yes. That's strong. Yeah. So do you have a list of those games? Uh, in front of me right no, now? No, no, absolutely. But what but I'm yeah, saying absolutely. is write a note down. Yeah. We'll put those games out and tweet that out because this is, I mean, seriously, this is great stuff, right? Because having a database, it, it, you, most people don't know how to use database, but having it and be able to say, hey, Urban Meyer is a dog. But when it's something that's not tagged in the database, you have to do it by hand. That's truly valuable info. So that, that. It's pretty that, much what, record against Air Force? Yeah, Air Force. And he's got a couple, uh, you know, covers against Georgia Tech. Is Ken trying to diminish your accomplishment? No, that's all right. But didn't no, do no, that. I'm, just, I'm just saying. I mean, outside, no, no, outside of Air Force, I don't know option teams at BYU plays because New Mexico wasn't running the option when Mendenhall was there. No, no I understand. But how long was Mendenhall the coach at BYU? Uh, 10, 11 years. Yeah. So, but you're saying it's all right. So that's an amazing stat, uh, especially if it's more than, like you said, even if it's a majority one team, if it kept up with one or two others, it still was like, wow, okay. All right. So go on. Yeah, and obviously they already defended it this year in Georgia Tech, and I know they gave up 36 points, but they were more than a touchdown underdog. Won the game outright. That's back-to-back outright upsets for him against Georgia Tech, and that's what I look for. I look for particular matchups, and when you got quirky offenses, and we're going to mention this a couple of times, I want to see experience defending it, and I also think advantageous for Virginia to have three, four weeks of prep for the offense. Extra time. That's another macro concept. Extra time against quirky offenses. Fez, listen, there's no shame in coming off something. Are you fading that Mendenhall stat? I was unaware of the Mendenhall stat. That's what I'm saying. I, I was, but I was aware of the Georgia Tech. Well, think about this. We're saying, oh, well, he's awesome at defending the option. Georgia Tech put 36 on them. 36 doesn't mean anything. It matters. What, what's the pace of the game? What was the yards per play in that game? They had like 400 yards, but... I mean, clearly Georgia Tech was able to run the option effectively against Virginia. And and what and what um, are you really telling me that? Uh, uh, let's say a stat is is what were you saying? Nine and one against nine the spread? and one against the spread. And and one of those wins was this game, but this game is telling you that spread that that trends in, invalid. When you exceed I, expectations. I think the eight and one is much more relevant than the one game against Georgia Tech where but they you're did making, not stop the option. But you're this making year. the one game somehow contradict in a way that, that invalidates the, the, the other nine. I was unaware of the other nine. And now I'm asking you, do you want to back off your light? Yes. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. This is a sign of what this show's about. Seriously. 
is no matter how smart you are alone, you're not as smart as Fazek. No, you're not as smart. <laughs> Check out the big brain on Brad. Oh, that 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 is true. We're going to give Brad that one for sure. What were you going to say, Brad? Well, I think there's a, another mispricing here, and I think it's I Jesus. You, you know, George Costanza said when you when you you got him laughing, that's when you leave. Yeah, you re, you want to you, you real well now. Check you, out the big brain on Brad. All right, make this one quick. All right, well, you can't give full home field advantage for Navy. They're playing in their home stadium, but Virginia hasn't played in a bowl game in six years. They're only a, a three a less than three hour car ride to them. I think Virginia is going to have some slight fan support. No, you know. Compared to a normal road game here, they probably have five, 6,000 fans in the stands here. All joking aside, guys, this is what this is for, right? Fezzik, though not a college football specialist, has his literally a network of people he works with with this. Ken, you can tell, spending hundreds of hours throughout the season. Brad, hundreds of hours throughout the season. But it's not like they all know the exact same things. And... To me, what I have found about the very sharpest people that I've ever dealt with is they are voracious when it comes to good information. You would think it'd be ego-driven. Oh, what could they know that I don't know? Fez, you know some of the sharpest guys in town. Do you know one of them that isn't voracious for other good info? Oh, they all love it. So, and and to see it happen live like this, it's 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 one of the... I, I think that was very telling. RJ, one other thing. So I want to check with Brad because I know he's on college football history and all that. Very rarely do you see two tacklers with over 100 tackles together on the same defense. Virginia has three of them in Mac Blanding and Kaiser between 105 and 134 tackles apiece. I don't remember seeing that. Uh, they might, they're, pretty, they're pretty lenient as far as tackle stats at Virginia. Uh, Wyoming's another team that's really lenient tackle stats. I get that from being working at Phil Steele Publications, and we'd see consistent teams that would have, you know, was very lenient when it came to awarding teams attack. That's why I checked. Figure you may know it. Boy, that's good stuff, too. Boy, Brad, you're coming in today. You got a toboggan on for the people that didn't grow up where I grew up don't call it toboggans. Well, you do, though, I'm sure, right? Because yeah. you got, is, I don't know, what do they call them, beanies? No one has a good name. When I say, if you don't call it a toboggan, what do you call it? And they're like, uh, a beanie? And it's like, Beanie, right? What do you, Faz, you grew up with this. What do you call that? Knit hat. A knit hat. Oh my. He sounds like someone's grandma. Yeah. Hey, don't forget your knit hat. You grew up in, in Jersey, right? Jersey. Yeah. What do you call that hat? I, I, I guys would have said beanie. I, I mean, see, tobog- that's what I always yeah. said. Beanie. Toboggan to me was like a giant a sled, bigger yeah. sled. That's what everyone yeah, says. Right. It says yeah, that. Toboggan. All right. So <laughs> I'm just wondering if you got like a, a some information being fed to you today. That was that's really, the old, you know, I have a, <laughs> the cheat code where I have it underneath. All right. Hat. So here's the takeaway. <laughs> here's the takeaway is literally we're in a situation where Virginia liked by Ken and not, and Fez is now to a lean, let's call it, on Navy. That is a true crossfire. All right, double best bet time, guys. This is the game. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Michigan State, Washington State. This is on twelve twenty eight. And right now, Washington State favored by two. Steve Fezzik, we're going to let you start. Your best bet. Best bet, Michigan State. I love Michigan State here. Washington State 
complete fraud. Some of their best games this year, they've been the recipient of a beyond favorable schedule. Oh, they played good teams. They just played them at the right times. They're the, the, the Los Angeles Chargers of college football. When they got USC, USC was all injured. They were able to win. When they played Oregon, we spoke about Oregon without their quarterback, Herbert. Terrible. Well, Herbert didn't play in that game. When they played Stanford, they were just barely able to beat Stanford. That's when Bryce Love, he played, but he was all banged up. Not close to 100%. They've had fortuitous games, close wins, three losses by 34, 32, and 27. And on Michigan State's side, what's the one game everyone remembers Sparty playing? Losing by a zillion against Ohio State. For the most part, they've had a fine year all and very consistent year. They're the much better team catching points. Sparty wins. All right. Brad, you agree. Best bet, Michigan State. Yeah, in addition to that fine handicap, you know, you want to talk trends. Well, Mike Leach has a quirky offense. So how does he do with extra time to prep or when teams have extra time to prep for his offense? How about three and eight against the number as a bull favorite? On the flip side, Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State, the best underdog program in all of college football. 17 and four against the spread here the last seven years as a dog. 14 outright upsets, a couple of them again this year, Penn State and Michigan, so they're carrying on that banter. And I'll let Ken talk about player personnel, major negative for Washington State. And also Michigan State, one of the youngest teams in the country, and if any of these teams is going to benefit from an extra 15 bowl practices, it's Michigan State, not the senior-laden Washington State team. They've already peaked. Give me the Spartans again to win the game. Forget the plus two. Take uh, Michigan State on the money line. Ken, another way we could look at this is it's a triple like because these guys like it enough to be best bets. You like Michigan State, too. I do like Michigan State. Not only do I like them, I like them in the first half even more because Hercules Mata'afa, the leading sack man for Washington State, is suspended for the first half. And then the top two receivers, Tavares Martin, who's by far their fastest guy, and Isaiah Johnson-Mack. Both of these guys have been dismissed from the team. 130 catches, 1,386 yards, and 14 touchdowns between those two guys. Gone. Major advantage, Michigan State. Okay. Two questions. Is one, and guys, promise, Ken's on a clock too, so uh, for his radio show. So we've been meandering a little bit, a lot of good stuff, but we're going to really stick to the points of the games from here on out because we got a lot of them. Um, but one last kind of fun thing. When you find a guy's name that's super hard to pronounce for the average person, are you more inclined to include that in your handicap just to sound like that knowledgeable? No, because uh, Mataafa is by far <laughs> their best player on the uh, defensive line and Brad will But tell I'm you saying that. in some cases, do you have a – should I mention this guy's name or not? And do you do it if he's really hard to pronounce but you're good at it? Yeah, I, I don't mind. I mean, it comes from play-by-play <laughs> play when you have to get to know some of these difficult names, especially uh, from other countries, uh, Eastern Bloc countries, so – uh, comes with the territory. Last question on this game. The line opened four and a half. Now it's down to two. So it's moved against Michigan State <laughs> in this case. Is there information on this or this has just got bad and it's still this good of value now? Well, I think what originally was the move, number one, wrong line. And then what's happened in the last seven to 10 days are all these player suspensions for Washington State that's happened. But, but in a vacuum, how much are those player suspensions worth point-wise? Uh, you know, when it's a cl- almost cluster injuries to your two top wide receivers, point, point and a half. All right, so two and a half points a move through the key number of three. We're saying about half of this is money and about half of this is on information. And I think it's going to keep moving would not be surprised to see Sparty go off as the clear favorite. 
All right, next game, another crossfire. This is Ken and Fez. It's Purdue. It's Arizona. Arizona favored by three and a half in this game. Fez, we're going to let you start. You like? I like Purdue. Give me the much, much better defense here. Um, They have been beyond impressive. You look at their defensive efforts. They held a Missouri team to three points. I know Missouri was struggling early in the year. They held Wisconsin to 19 points. Purdue is bread and butters. um, Very good defense. Offense is slightly above average. They have a huge coaching advantage. Brom is a huge coaching edge versus Rich Rod for Arizona. Arizona has the sexy quarterback, Tate. Everyone's talking about how good he was, and he was great. But defenses have gotten film on him, started to figure him out. The last four games, he's only averaging five yards per pass play. Clear regression going on. Purdue is the right side. Ken, you like Arizona? I do. I like Khalil Tate enough. And again, the rest factor, when you get a guy like Bryce Love or you get a guy like Khalil Tate, when these guys have rest, then you're going to see the true athlete. You're going to see a guy that was pressed into duty when Dawkins, when they made the switch, and Khalil Tate got beat up. I mean, physically got beat up because the guy was running. And I mean, look, he rushed for 1,353 yards and 12 touchdowns. He threw for another 1,289 and nine. I'd rather have him tuck the ball under and run. And now that he's got that rest, I'm good. Not only that, I get a healthy Nick Wilson in the backfield to go with J.J. Taylor. That gives me another 1,415 yards and 11 touchdowns. I've got an attack that produced defense that's so good. Are you kidding me going against Wisconsin's offense? What kind of game? Did you watch the game? Because I watched the whole game, and that game was like watching paint dry. Both offenses, and they got outgained badly in that game, but they had a couple big plays and turnovers that kept them in there because I had Purdue, and they end up covering the game, but they had no business covering that game. So I love Brom. Brom's one of my favorite coaches. I said it was a great hire by Purdue. When he gets his players in there and they're able to spread out teams with speed, this Purdue team will be in the top echelon of the Big Ten within the next year or two. He'll be just like Joe Tiller back in the day. But this Arizona team, yes, Rich Rod may be a guy that's not as good a coach as Brom, but he's got players and he's got Khalil Tate, and Khalil Tate is by far the best player on that field. All right, same question again. I'm going to ask both of you. What's the one thing in Ken's handicap, Fez, that you disagree? What is the source of your disagreement? Well, all he talked about was how good the Arizona offense is and how – and the problem is he didn't talk about their defense, and there's a reason he didn't talk about their defense. They've given up 37 points in six of their last eight games, and they're giving up – get this – an average of 6.2 yards per play against a schedule of teams that only average 5.6 yards per play, which says this Arizona defense is more than a half yard per play worse than an average team. Purdue has a pedestrian offense. They'll look like a very good offense because everyone looks really good against this Arizona D. Yeah, tell me about Washington State because they have a great offense too, and they went and played Arizona and they got buried by double digits. To me, it's the same thing. You don't have to have a great defense when you have a Khalil Tate and an offense that's going to score 40-plus points against a team like Purdue that, number one, is missing Knox, who's banged up in the running game, and you have Markel Jones, who missed half the year. You're without Blau, one of the quarterbacks, so you got Sindelar. Everything is there. There's no way that Jeff Blau comes in now and, and – Bails Sindelar out if he struggles. This is a team minus five on on the sack department, and I think Sindelar is going to be under pressure. It's not a great Arizona D, but it's good enough to slow down the Boilermakers and definitely an offense that's going to score at will, I think, on Purdue's defense. Okay, so you answered his response or his disagreement. What's your main disagreement with Fez? Well, I think Fez thinks uh, Purdue's defense is, is, is good and solid, and there's a major advantage there. Again, what did I say all year? The Big Ten's the most overrated conference in football. And I'm sorry, RJ, I know you're an Ohio State guy, but at the end of the day, these offenses inside the Big Ten 
pale in comparison to the Pac-12, the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC. All right, Fez. Well, they, we, pl- they, they played Missouri. They gave up three points. and they That played, was the first game of the year. They played Louisville, who is just has an awesome offense, and they gave up 35. I think Arizona gets 35. I think we all understand the source of the disagreement. All right, we got two decision makers here. One is going to be Brad, and the second is going to be the sharp money. Brad, what's your handicap? Uh, I lean with Purdue. So I guess what resonates with me most is Fez's handicap talking about you know, produce defense and them being able to stop Khalil Tate. And once guys got film on Khalil Tate, he obviously wasn't, you know, arguably a top five player in college football. I think he's got the potential to be next year, but also, and this sounds like a broken record, Rich Rod's got a quirky offense. And again, he does not perform well in bowl games, three and seven against the numbers last 10 bowl games. And when he got extra time to prep for his style of offense and major advantage for the opponent, Lane Purdue. All right, so Lean Purdue, we think that might be the decision, but no, Sharps oh. are backing Arizona. Ken Strong today with the Sharps. Hey, what are you going to do? I mean, first off, Brad's from Big Ten country, <laughs> so he's going to lean towards Purdue. You know what's funny down. is in, in the book about Hannibal Lecter, not The Silence of the Lambs, but the one that the movie Hannibal was made about after, one time Hannibal Lecter told somebody, he goes, I can see why you wouldn't trust me because you know yourself so well, meaning that you are so aware of your own duplicity or, or dishonesty. You think everyone else is dishonest. Well, Ken thinks everyone has like regional bias, which is really Ken telling us he has regional bias. Really? Uh, what, what would that be? <laughs> Jersey? I, I grew or, up in Jersey. Or, or, or your fan, regional fan ah, bias. Ah, see? That's, that's you love the now. Pac-10, the Pac-12. Pac-12. Yeah. I, I, I think the Pac-12 has been a conference that because of... He's these, telling us why. No, he's because, right about he, loving them. Listen, so no, I'm just saying they've been disrespected because most of the sportscasters oh. back east go to bed before <laughs> these Pac-12 games are over. They don't even know who Bryce Love is until they see film on it. Last thing, Fest. I do want to talk about regional biases. I'm actually biased against the Big Ten and the MAC, and here's why. And this may sound crazy. I think it's very difficult to practice football in December. You've got to either practice indoors or practice outdoors when it's freezing cold. So I think that the teams from the South and the West do have an advantage, and that's why they tend to do better oftentimes in these bowl games. All right, last one, or next one. This is our last crossfire, I think. Yeah. But it's a two against one, Andre the Giant style. And actually, it's Brad Powers playing Andre the Giant in this case. And it's against Ken and Faz, obviously. And Ken actually liked this game enough that he can sit. It was close to being his best bet. So this is not only a like, but a take off the rubber band. But Brad, whenever it's two on one, the Andre gets to go first. So this is Missouri. This is Texas. And right now, Missouri favored by two and a half. You like? I like Texas plus the points here. We'll start off with talking about Missouri, and everyone sees this hot finish this season, 7-1 and against the spread their last eight games, six straight wins, blowout victories. But I question, who have they beaten in the last six weeks? Idaho, Connecticut, Florida with an interim coach, Tennessee with basically a fired Butch Jones, another fired coach in Arkansas's Brett Bielema, Vanderbilt. Are you kidding me? They haven't beaten anyone. On the flip side, you're telling me I'm getting Tom Herman one of the best underdog coaches in the country, 15-1 and one against the spread, 4-1 and one here at Texas with a much better defense. We're playing close to home where you're going to have to give Texas one and a half, two points of home field advantage, and you're going to question, hey, is Texas motivated to stay at home? Well, they haven't played, barely played bowl games here the last three years. They've only been to one. This is only their second bowl game, so I think they're excited. It's a young team with a fresh 
first year coach that I think there's going to be a sense of improvement from the 15 practices. Forget the point spread. Texas wins this game straight up. Now that was theatrical. I mean, Brad lifted up. All right, Ken, we're bringing the big up. We got, there's got to be a strong response. Faz has been on the losing end. I'm letting you lead your side. Yeah. Mizzou. Yes. So when you look at it, you know, Odom was a lot of people thought the coach for Missouri was going to lose his job the way they started out. But not only did they get it together, they learned that they have more speed on the offensive side of the ball than defenses have as far as guys that can cover. And now you're going to take out Elliott, guy with six interceptions, and also a banged up Malik Jefferson, the leading tackler for Texas. And you're going to try and put pressure on Drew Locke, who has 43 touchdown passes, only 12 interceptions. Look, I understand the schedule wasn't the most difficult, but what has Texas done? I mean, they're still wondering who's quarterbacking. Is it Ellinger? Is it Bouchelle? They don't know. There's our arguments all the time on who should be in there. From the Texas boosters and fan base. Chris Warren, the running back's going to miss, so that puts all the pressure on Daniel Young. Look, it's a Texas team. I like the pedigree of the coach in, in Herman. But in this game, you don't think Missouri's excited? This is a team that thought they may go winless at the beginning of the year, and now they've turned it around to where they're just dominating teams because they spread them out, and you can't cover them. They go faster, and their defense doesn't have to be great because they're going to outscore you. I don't see Texas scoring a lot in this game. They had trouble with Texas Tech, and Missouri is Texas Tech on steroids. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Now, Brad, in a minute after Fez, I'm going to ask you the same question. We're going to start doing it this way. Is what do you most disagree with? But Fez, first, you get to give your presentation for Missouri. Yeah, and so Missouri has value because they were so bad for the first half of the year, and I'm sure Ken and Brad can discuss all the reasons why. I'm just going to tell you, in the second half of the year, they're a top 10 team. Brad brings up good points, cupcake schedule. But how do we grade teams? By how they do versus expectations. Yeah, cupcakes, Idaho and Connecticut beat them both by 40. Florida, Tennessee, Vandy beat all three of these teams by 28 or more points. Uh, could Texas have done that? Not a chance in hell. Um, final game against Arkansas, misleading final score, win by three, outgained Arkansas 696 to 446. They should have won that one by 17 to 20. This team is a top, I'd argue they're a top 10 team in terms of their last six games performance. All right. So I always love when I hear a season being, uh, I, I guess, demarcated as in, hey, this changed here. And if you look at everything after, it's a different team than before. Now, you always got to worry about sample size, right? Because three or four games could be fluky. But when there's logic to that, I think there's so many computer guys now and they're blending all these stats, season stats. I think that's a flaw in the market right now. I like when I hear that. So let's start there, Brad. Why is he wrong about that? Well, he's wrong because, you know, a lot of those teams, those blowout wins, in my opinion, were against teams that have just given up on the season. There was quit in Florida. There was quit in Tennessee. And it's easy to blow out a team when you're getting nothing back on the other side. Now, I'll agree. There but was, obviously, you didn't have monster bets against Florida and on Missouri. I did games, not right? because I didn't, you know, no, I didn't. Great point. <laughs> so there. I'm always worried yeah. after, like, if you had monster bet, I'm always worried after the fact, like, explain in a way good performances because, oh, that team gave up. But fair enough. Well, I didn't know going into the game that the team gave up, but it was with that, starting with that game and ending the season, it was clear that those teams had basically waved the white flag. Now, here's where I, I think both guys are getting a little bit wrong. Missouri's offense unstoppable because in the SEC, no one runs that style of offense. What does Texas see every day in practice? What do they see every game, every week in the Big 12? Exactly what this offense is. 
And that's why I don't think they're going to have as much difficulty defending it as all these SEC teams did this year. That'd be, that'd be great if they could stop some of those Big 12 teams, but they couldn't stop a lot me? of them. Are you kidding me? They were like the number you two the defense Texas in the Tech. Big 12. Are you kidding me? Well, yeah. The, how many points did Texas Tech have? 27 points for Texas Tech when they're averaging well, 40? You, a, I, how many a, did a, Texas score? So if Texas is having trouble well, scoring, that's fine, their leading but, rusher, RJ, has 364 yards on the year, and that's their freaking quarterback, Ellinger. Are you kidding me? This is a Texas program that's supposed to be run you. What happened to, you know, this great running backs from Texas all the time? Earl Campbell. Where are these guys? They're nowhere to be found, bro. They'll find one against that Missouri defense. <laughs> now that's passion. That's passion. <laughs> Sometimes passion can be scary. Next game, Boston College, Iowa. We've got... Boston College, a two and a half point underdog. I was the favorite. Ken has a total, but we're going to start on the side on this game. Brad, you like? I like Boston College plus the points here. And this is one of the youngest teams in the country. True freshman uh, quarterback, two freshman uh, running back, a couple of true freshmen starting on the offensive line. So again, if there's any team that's going to get an uplift from an extra 15 practices in my instance and least from past history says Boston college is going to be a team. And we've seen that throughout the course of the, you know, ever since the Notre Dame game, this was one of the hottest teams in the country, seven and one against the number, a couple of misleading games. It was a seven, seven game against Clemson where in the fourth quarter, they just got a little bit worn down there. That gives us some value here. And I'm against an Iowa team. I, I got questions. Is great. Iowa going to show up a team that's capable of being a top 10 team, or is it the team that lost at home to Purdue? Uh, when I got questions on that side of the ball, I don't have questions on Boston College motivation. Give me the Eagles plus the points. All right. Eagles plus the points. Faz, what's your opinion on the side? Yeah, Eileen, BC, all that youth keeps getting better and better. Brad mentioned all those freshmen. They also have a freshman at center, and their leading wide receiver is a freshman as well. It made sense this team was going to improve. We talked about the 15 extra practices over the course of the year. This team was awful in September, and then they just turned it on. Look at this resume. They won at Louisville. They won at Virginia 41-10. to They beat Florida State 35-3. to This team has a huge upside and a sneaky little perhaps home field advantage. The game is in New York. Uh, Boston a lot closer than Iowa to New York City. I know Iowa travels well. Going to be more BC fans there. Okay, by the way, backing up to that Texas-Missouri, Ken... Ken had me so so impressed by the passion. I forgot to give the the final grade. Is once again Ken's on the right side. Sharps and public backing Missouri against Texas on that crossfire. Ken three and zero on crossfires. You like a total in this Iowa BC game? I do. And here's the thing: Anthony Brown, the quarterback, out for Boston College. So all these wins that Fez is talking about. Anthony Brown was behind most of those. I mean, Wade's not a bad guy, and Dylan and Hilleman are good, solid running game. But Harold Landry, their best defensive player, has been banged up. He'll probably go. They have a couple good linebackers in Schwab and Allen that should sh- slow down Iowa. Iowa's defense, though, is very solid, and both teams are going to run the ball, so that's going to keep the clock moving. I see this game going to be in cold weather. New York right now is starting to get a, it's starting to get nipper. My family's in Jersey, and I'm telling you, this is going to be one of these low-scoring games where both teams are running the ball. Clock keeps on moving. Got some some of the best tacklers in the game, including Josie Jewell, 125 tackles, finishing up there at Iowa. Stellar career, over 123 tackles in each of his last three seasons. The guy's phenomenal. Actually had him on my radio show, and uh, the guy's a, a real treat to talk to as well. But this is going to be a low-scoring game. I don't know if Boston College can muster enough offense to win. I hope the guys win it. I'm just on the total. Give me the under 45. All right, under 45 from Ken. Like on BC from Brad. Lean on BC from Faz. 
Next game, the hits keep on coming. A triple like on this game. A triple like. It's Southern Miss. It's Florida State. Florida State favored. Wow. 16 and a... Brad, how many covers does Florida State, did Florida State have this year? One. Was it the last game? Yeah, against Florida. I guess they're on a streak. Too. They're yeah, due. They were yeah. due. I guess. All right, Faz, it's a triple like. I'm going to let you start. I'm going to keep it simple. I like Southern Miss. This game's in Shreveport. I've never been to Shreveport, but I can imagine it's probably not a top 10 destination for where college bowl players want to go. Southern Miss excited to play the Seminoles. Florida State disinterested. Give me the excited team. I agree with that, Brad. Yeah, I like Southern Miss here. And let's just talk about Southern Miss. You got it. If you're playing a, a big brother like Florida State, well, how they competed against bigger brothers this year? Can they compete with these types of teams? Well, they play Kentucky and Tennessee out of the SEC. I'll gain those two opponents by 90 yards per game. Both of those, while they did lose them, were very misleading games that should have been very close losses. And still, they would have covered both in in this instance compared to this spread easily would have covered here. Let me, I did just misspeak. And before I get Twitter, hate Florida state has covered two in a row for Florida and Law UL Monroe. Monroe. Yeah, UL Monroe. I forgot about they're that. on a streak. Baby. Yeah, they're on a streak. All right. So you I, saying streak boggled my mind. So thank you. <laughs> All right, Ken, you well, also like, him. I do like him because Quadra Griggs has changed the uh, landscape there. As far as quarterback, 15 touchdown passes, just two interceptions. Anito Smith over 1300 yards, 13 touchdowns on the ground. They'll do enough to score against a Florida State team that's not going to be motivated to play in this game. Look, Blackman's done a nice job to help get them there, but I think they breathed a sigh of relief because they kept the bowl streak intact. Now, how do you get up for playing Southern Miss and laying all those points? A team minus seven in turnovers and missing their best defensive player, Derwin James, who's going to sit out so he can get ready for the NFL draft. I just think, you know, Akers and Patrick will run the ball and it'll be a game to where 16 and a half is a lot of points. I see this game being 10 or less. Okay, so... If you actually go to the game center, a pregame.com, we have the opening line. We have the current line and this line opened at 14. It's up to 16 and a half. But the report from the smart money at CG technology is both the sharps and the public on Southern Miss so far. Now that's one outlet. And one of the things about our opener, it's truly the world opener. So sometimes it can be a rogue line. Fez, I mean, what's your sense of this line move? I mean, from what you've seen, how would you characterize the market on this so far? I haven't really been tracking it too much. A lot of these bowl games, RJ, 90% of the money comes in the last two days. So I don't think it's all that significant because the games were still quite a ways away until the game gets played. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. 2017 was a great year for us here at Podcast One, and we hope it was a great year for you. We launched new shows with Caitlin Bristow, Jim Harbaugh, and Randy Jackson. We've had some amazing guests stop by some of our shows, like Brian Cranston on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Juliet Louis-Dreyfus on All of the Above with Norman Lear. And Jason Bateman on Spike's Car Radio with Spike Ferriston. We are looking forward to a bright 2018 with new shows coming online, like MySpace Tom Anderson. And we are welcoming back Dennis Miller to the podcast scene. This is Heather Dubrow. Happy holidays. Cheers. I'm Caitlin 
Bristow, and I want to wish you happy holidays. Hey guys, it's Kelsey Knight from the Lady Gang. Happy holidays. We'll see you in the new year. From all of us here at Podcast One, we want to wish you a very happy holiday and a happy new year. 